Welcome to Joyosity. I'm Jen Whitmer. I'm a speaker, consultant, and joy bringer, helping you create positive culture with complex people. Because listen, that's all we got. I'm thrilled you were here. So get yourself ready. Grab your multiple beverages, get your speaker, your headphones connected so we can dive in. True leadership requires more than just surface level strategies. It requires a profound connection to everything that makes us human. Each week, I have conversations with experts and leaders and you. If you're listening live, introduce yourself in the comments. Let us know where you are in the world and maybe what's in that mug on your desk. We're connecting as humans, remember? These conversations aren't just fun banter and information. Joyosity is so much more than a live show and a podcast. It's a movement, a space where we dare to explore the depths of our own hearts and minds, a liminal space where you are free to play around and beta test your own growth, sort of like a test kitchen lab for your leadership skills. It's where you discover that real joy has deep roots, a playground to find the hidden truths, the ideas waiting to be explored, and the untamed potential that lies within you. We're not just hanging out in idea land. We're talking about the best actions that develop you as a person and hone your skills as a leader. If you're an experienced leader or just starting out, Joyosity is the community for you. Join us every Monday live at 1 p.m. Eastern on LinkedIn and YouTube for a dose of inspiration and practical advice. Whether you are live in the comments or catching the podcast later, we're here to help you create a place where work is a joy, people are whole, and organizations flourish. Let's go. Good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to Monday Mentor. I'm Jen Whitmer and I help teams and leaders solve conflict, cultivate communication and grow engaged and empowered teams. And I am so excited about today's guest. Every week I have a short 20 minute show where we talk about really important things to leaders. And today I have Janet Gregoric on and I am so excited. She is a local friend of mine. She is in the finance industry and she is a leader in a financial firm and she has just a really great story and some amazing things to share with us today. So if you are here live, let us know in the comments. If you're here live, feel free to grab your coffee. I'm still drinking mine. And we are going to welcome Jana. Hello. Hi, Jen. I'm so glad you could be with us today. I'm really excited. Thank you. I'm very, very excited to be here. Yeah. So I always love to ask at first, mm -hmm. how, tell the people how you got here. How did you arrive at this role and where are you in your leadership journey? Yeah. So I started my career in 2006 at a financial services headquarters. And I think actually at a young age, I've always aspired to be a leader. You know, I was always creating clubs and the captain of teams in high school. And so that just continued through my college career and then uh, immediately into work. And I was really one of those people that decided I need to do everything I can to build up my foundation to position myself as a leader right away. So mm -hmm. I dove headfirst into all the financial designations that I could. Um, did all the feedback, all the presentation training that I could, and made sure that I had this really solid base of knowledge and understanding so that at a young age, when I was positioning myself for a leader or I was against other people, 
I had the confidence that I had the experience and the knowledge to then be positioned as a leader. Um, and I spent um, almost 12 years at this firm. And as I was growing in my position and growing in my leadership, I started wondering as my home life changed, um, getting married, having kids, I was commuting. I wondered, gosh, is the grass greener? You know, I, I thought I was happy. I had good what I thought work-life balance. Um, so this actually propelled me to get my MBA at WashU in St. Louis. And what I actually found being at WashU in St. Louis is that um, while I thought I had work-life balance, I really didn't. Because when I was at work, I was at work, I was 100% focused, and then I'd come home and it, they just felt very, very separate. And so being at WashU, what it did for me is it really launched this entrepreneurial spirit in me where I realized, gosh, I could stay at this firm forever and I would be fine, right? I, I would continue in this path. I would come in. I would know what my day would look like. But I started wondering, there's got to be something else out there for me. So this was the hardest part. I had to really start from scratch and, and decide I could change jobs or move firms, um, go to a very similar experience. But I started with a blank sheet of paper and I said, if I could be somewhere that I could be at the ground floor and help build, um, ideally still stay in financial services because that was my background, be a part of a great culture. And I know we're going to talk more about that. Um, and ideally be closer to home because I was commuting about 45 minutes to an hour every day, had two young kids at home. And um, subsequently, I found this building, uh, Visionary Wealth Advisors, go up five minutes from my house. I saw on LinkedIn, a former colleague of mine had just joined the firm. And so I proactively reached out to him, proactively asked for a meeting with the firm's CEO. And long story short, uh, the firm Visionary Wealth Advisors was only two years old at the time. And I pitched myself to the CEO and the president for why they should hire me. Um, and I can go into way more detail of that and why I felt so convicted for that. Um, but I started as the director of new business development at Visionary Wealth Advisors. And I've been there five years now. We've grown, um, the firm's seven years old. We've grown to eight locations and two billion in assets under management. And um, I've been promoted to the title of chief growth officer, um, which basically means I'm responsible for the growth of the firm, both externally, bringing on clients, overseeing our marketing, um, bringing on new advisors, as well as internally overseeing all of our operations um, and HR responsibilities. Oh my goodness. I mean, what is, I, I mean, I've talked to you multiple times and I don't think I've heard the whole journey whole in, that, story. in that way. I mean, from like elementary school clubs to the C-suite as like such a, such a span. And I mean, you said so many good things in there. I mean, one that you thought this is what it was, but what if it could, you just also knew that something was different and yeah. then you went to the blank sheet of paper. Yeah. Like, I think that if we, uh, some learned this week at Disney, which is a whole nother story, but I realized I am the most active participant in designing my own life. And I yes. think that's what you did. Like, yes. you're like, how do I design this life that I want? Yes. And our culture really starts with us. And so, I mean, that launches us into a little bit about, about culture and what culture is. And so what, there's so many definitions of culture out right. there. So how do you define culture? You're this chief growth officer that is really mm -hmm. responsible for holding how culture is managed and cultivated. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? 
Yeah, I think the answer to that, Jen, is really twofold because you have to think about yourself as a person and what are you looking for as a person or an employee um, or as a wife, as a mother, as a friend. And I think what happened to me for so long was I let other people, other leaders influence what I thought I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. And I just went along with it. But to your point, by taking a step back and really making sure that you know your why as a person, what are your values? What are your goals personally and professionally and financially? Are you writing those down? So I'm a huge advocate of writing down my, my goals. I have like my little notebook right here and making sure I'm staying true to that and making sure everything else is aligned with that. And that's mm. my personal culture, right? You have to start with that. And then seeking out people, places, workplaces that align with your why and your values, that's where it's got to start. And then secondly, what I'd say from um, you know, a leader perspective, are you listening to your employees? I know that seems so simple, but we all get so busy, right? You're so busy with the day-to-day and we got to hit this, we got to hit our goals. Are you taking a step back and are you actually sitting down with your teams, your employees, and just hearing from them. How are you feeling? What are you working on? What are your personal goals? Are you making sure you are incorporating your personal goals as part of your life? Do you know what your employees' personal goals are? You know, is it they want to run a marathon? Well, touching base with them, sending them notes, making sure that you understand what are their goals? Is it to read more? Is it to uh, work at a nonprofit and be more involved in charity. And I think by supporting people, not just professionally and thinking about your business goals, we've got to hit these numbers and making sure you're talking about their whole life. Um, that's really going to help propel this culture. And it's something that we do at Visionary Wealth Advisors in our executive team meetings. We have check-ins at the uh, beginning of our meetings and we say, how are we doing personally and professionally? And it starts with the personally, how are we doing when it comes to you know, whatever's important in them, faith, family, health, fitness, and then professional um, is a subsequent of that. Because if you're not fully satisfied as a person, how can you really be successful as a professional too? Oh my gosh, there's so much wisdom in there. I just, so many things that you said, and I would love to hear if you're watching in the comments, like what that does for you. Like, how do you do you know your values? It's one of the things that I work with my clients on really early on in the process because we have to know ourselves first and then we have to know what we value before we can learn anything else and attach to anything else. And what you've described, I always like to call the Velcro. If I don't have, yes. if I don't know what my side of the Velcro is, I can't align mm -hmm. to a company. And that that's what makes us sticky. Like, oh, our, our values are together. And right. what I hear from you is that that value of people, like valuing yes. people as whole people has changed how you operate. So how do you, if that is the culture you want to build, how mm -hmm. does a leader, how does a leader grow a culture? Like what are some of the things that you do to help make culture not be just something that you talk about and like throw an ice cream sundae bar in there, but right. really something that permeates how you operate as an organization? You know, it's an interesting question, Jen, because as, as our firm has grown, you know, I came at the beginning, a two-year-old firm, and now we're a seven, eight-year-old firm with two billion assets under management, and I have the staff and a team that I'm responsible for. You're kind of coming in and you're building it as you go, um, which 
is really exciting, but you have to be really thoughtful and careful to grow this culture. Um, so one thing that I have found as a leader is that not everybody's going to be happy at every any given moment. We're not happy as individuals <laughs> at any right? given time, right? But making sure that you are allowing that dialogue and the communication um, to allow the feedback. And if someone has a complaint, right, if someone says something like, well, you could try that, but that'll never work. Or, yeah, we tried that or we asked for this two years ago. Good luck with that. I always then turn it back to that person and say, you know, let's talk about that. Why don't you come back with some ideas on what you think will work? But so by including them as part of the solution versus a getting in that water cooler. Yeah, that's right. That guy said this and this happened and this will never work. Let's bring some options and solutions. And so it's almost turning it back to them to make them feel like they're actually part of it and part of the solution or part of decisions versus being told what to do or being thrown um, across the fence to say, hey, we're doing this, figure it out. You have mm -hmm. to really make people feel like they're part of the team and heard on every level. And then it just leads to a much better culture and then also results. Yeah. And what I hear you describing, like the words that I would use are trust building, engagement, yes. Yes. Um, honoring, solution mm -hmm. providing. All of those things are values that have actions tied to them. Yes. And that's what you've done. You've tied the actions to these types of values. I mean, like I yes. have never... I've not researched visionary wealth advisors company <laughs> values, but that's what I'm seeing. Yes. 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 Culture is actually about the actions. You Correct. can have all these great things on a wall, but if they're not actions, they're just things on a wall. <laughs> so Right. And one example of that, Jen, is we have, um, I, I try to do weekly meetings or biweekly meetings with, with um, my staff, but even before then, if, gosh, I recommend everybody, how are you advocating for yourself? whether with your leader or your team or your organization. And that mm -hmm. starts with if your leader isn't reaching out to you on an ongoing basis, have you scheduled a meeting with them to share what you're working on? Have you scheduled a meeting to talk about your feedback? How are you communicating about the work that you're doing? And then at the end of every meeting, what I always suggest, and it's something that I still do to this day with my leaders and my partners, at the end of every meeting, I end it with, what feedback do you have for me? So culture isn't always about the employees up. It's also top down. So maybe your leaders or your boss or your CEO has something in their mind like, gosh, I, this has been on my mind. I need to tell them about it. So you're allowing this dialogue for them to, to freely talk about what's on their mind as opposed to your performance, your team's performance. Maybe it's something unrelated to work. And it's just showing them that you're open to feedback and you want to grow too. Oh, that right there is just being willing to accept feedback from all the places changes mm -hmm. us. When um, when I teach on self-awareness, I use what's called the Jahari window. I didn't come up with it. Mr. Jahari yeah. did. Um, anyway, and that, <laughs> that, that what we don't know about ourselves, what's hidden from us, but is seen by others, it's called our blind spot. And the only yes. way is feedback. Yes. That is yes. how we get things out into the open. And yes. It's so incredibly valuable and feedback. I mean, we could do hours on feedback. So I mean, we really could. 
And it's not, people get nervous about feedback, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, it's really like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to say. What if they don't like mm-hmm. me? But the more you do it, um, it's, it's just a practice and know that people that are giving you feedback are doing it because they care about you and yes. they want you to grow and they want you to succeed. So it's not, Hey, they don't like me or I'm, I'm horrible. I'm doing this. It's, Hey, this person really cares about me and cares about the culture and about this company and our success. I should think about implementing this um, because they do care about me. Absolutely. I wrote, um, when I write about feedback, I always, I always like to call feedback the infinity loop because it it shouldn't end. We should come back like, okay, here's what I did. Is that what you were talking about? And then when you're like, Hey, I I noticed this is what you were doing. That's exactly what I was talking. You know, like we have this infinity loop that builds trust because when you do what you say you're going to do, that builds trust and that builds the psychological safety that creates better feedback. So, oh, again, I, I mean, I think we talk about feedback forever, but it's so valuable to the basis of culture because it's building mm-hmm. that trust, building safety. Because you think, uh, you know, like, oh, this is what I'm doing. The wall is green. And people are like, right. I mean, the wall is gray. Right. And right. go back and forth. Right. So you mentioned something that I think would be really valuable because sometimes people are here and they're like, well, I'm not actually a leader. I don't have... Yeah director title. I'm not Mm -hmm. the CMO. I'm not the VP, you know, like you don't have the title. How does somebody who doesn't have the title work to change culture or grow culture for themselves and for at least their small part of their organization? Yeah. I I think that sometimes those untitled leadership roles are in fact the most important, Jen, because Mm -hmm. until you're actually doing the work and interacting day to day with your team, your colleagues, you're seeing opportunities that maybe the leaders are not seeing. And so number one, by bringing opportunities up to your leaders and your team, but then also raising your hand to do them in an unofficial leadership manner. So I was an unofficial leader for a very long time to almost prove myself to myself and my leaders that I could do it before being officially promoted to a leader. I had to act in that capacity and think outside the box. So if I was told, hey, your job is to do A, B, and C, I would try to think about, okay, what also is X, Y, and Z, whatever that is. What are the things that aren't being worked on, but you know that they're an opportunity? And then start acting on them and bring them to your leaders and say, I have this great idea. I have this initiative. Here's how I think I'd like to start. What are your thoughts or feedback? And nine Mm -hmm. times out of 10, they're like, that sounds great. You know what? This has been on my mind for a long time, but I just don't have the capacity. I would love to work with you on this. So Mm -hmm. the more that you can um, identify new opportunities and take action and really act in that capacity, Will help set you up for success in a leader capacity, but then remember to advocate for yourself and remind your leaders when asking for that leadership role. You know, I'm really interested in the next step. Here are the things that I've done in a leader capacity that have demonstrated those competencies. So act in it, but then also speak it and oh. remind them of the things that you've done. That is such a good PS. Like if you're listening and not multitasking, I would love for you to throw in the comments which is more scary. <laughs> Which is more scary, saying, here's a great idea I've got, or, mm-hmm. hey, remember that great idea that I did that worked? Yes. Like, yes. those are both, like, I can feel a little bit of my own, like, ah, <laughs> just coming yeah. up to that. 
But I think one of the lessons from your story is that that's actually the way forward. I mean, you pitched yourself to this place. Right. And, and that it actually does work because it's the evidence that says, I'm not just thinking about it. I'm doing it. I'm already doing it. Right. Right. So exactly. Powerful. Yes. And by, oh. um, to your point, having those weekly meetings, um, with your leaders and set reviews, that's the time to remind them. It doesn't have to be the separate mm -hmm. scary thing. Just continue to weave it in your conversation and remind them of the great work that you're doing. Cause yeah. you are, <laughs> you are, you're doing great work. And I think yeah. sometimes, especially for women, we feel like that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, men do it all the time. Right. <laughs> and so first of all, there's that, but also, when you, for me, it helps me to remember that I'm not doing that work just for me. I'm doing right. that work for the company. I'm doing that work for our team. I'm doing yes. that work for the good of our clients or what. So when I also take that focus off of me and say, here's the work that I'm doing, but it's benefiting all these others, that yes. helps me feel a little less like, yeah, kind of way about it. Well, right. It's always easier to give praise to someone else than to yourself. Yeah. And so totally. I have to remind myself of that. Am I treating myself? the same way that I'm treating my team or my friends and being as kind to myself as I am these other people. Um, so make sure you treat yourself the same way too. So good. It's so good. I mean, oh my gosh, I can't believe we have to end. Um, like, I just so like, fast. I know, it's so fast. Uh, so tell, let's tell the people where Jana is a great follow. Tell the people where to find you and what you talk about here on LinkedIn and, and however you would like the people to continue with you. Yeah, I would love to keep talking to anyone that is interested in leadership. One thing that I'm really passionate about that I talked briefly about, but we didn't get to, is the concept of work-life integration. And a lot of people talk about work-life balance. And that's nope. something that is very mm -hmm. challenging because just by definition, how can you always have everything in balance? And so I um, think about work-life integration because again, you can't have one without the other. Um, and so I, I talk a lot about that on Instagram. My handle is just Jana Gregoric or on LinkedIn. Um, I would say those are the best two platforms. So feel free to send me a message and we'll love to connect with you. Absolutely. I am here for work-life wholeness. We're whole yes, people. I love that. Life. I love that. So, and if that is also what you're interested in, I am offering a workshop this Thursday called the Catalyst Impact Leadership Skills. And we'll do a little audit. Give your give you your you the chance for yourself to kind of do that blank sheet of paper. Sometimes the blank sheet of paper can be really scary, and so I have a model that will take us through some ways that you can look at different aspects of your life. So I would love to invite you if you want to come. Um, anybody who is listening, it's this Thursday, and you can find all the information there. Jana, I just I just. It's even more than I imagined. I'm so oh, I'm grateful. So glad you. <laughs> I'm so grateful that you're here. Um, please follow Jana on Instagram and here on LinkedIn. She's a fabulous follow and tell her how grateful we are for coming on for our Monday mentor today. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. This was so much fun, and I'm so glad our paths have crossed and we're to staying in touch. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Come back next week. We're here every week at 1 p.m. Eastern for 20 minutes or maybe 23 <laughs> to, to help you have a whole flourishing life. So thanks for being here, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye. So let me put my coach hat on for just a sec. Don't just leave this here. Take a moment. What did you learn? What's your next tiny action step? Share this episode with someone and tell them. Connect with us to keep this conversation going.
As always, I'm Jen Whitmer. Thank you for listening to Joyosity. I don't take for granted that your earballs have a lot of information coming at you. Please take a moment to rate and subscribe. It really helps more people join us in creating positive culture with complex people. So work is a joy, people are whole, and organizations flourish. Can't wait for you to join us next week.